This is Graham Wardle. Mark Friesen. This is Marty Up North. This is Alex Craner. I'm Rupa Subramania. This is Tom Luongo, and you're listening to the Sean Newman Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, folks. Happy Monday. How was the weekend? Did anybody get to Canadians for Truth on Thursday night in Red Deer when they had Peter McCullough in? Anyone? Be curious to, you know, hit me up in the text. I'd be here curious to, how to see how it went. I was in St. Louis, so I didn't make it. I want to I hear what your thoughts were. So if you made it, shoot me a, a text in the show notes. Uh, the number's there. If not, Canadians for Truth, non-for-profit organization consisting of Canadians who believe in honesty, integrity, and principled leadership in government, as well as the Canadian Bill of Rights, Charter of Rights and Freedoms, and the Rule of Just Laws. Of course, they just had Peter McCullough in Red Deer this past week. And if you're wanting to pay attention to everything they're doing, go to canadiansfortruth.ca. Clay Smiley, a team over at Profit River. They want to thank everybody for coming out to their recent customer appreciation and industry rep days. Of course, they had the chief firearms officer out, uh, Terry Bryant, and along with some reps uh, from different spots. And now with the holidays in our sights, you know, yes, it's only November. But as we get closer to uh, Christmas, they want to make sure that uh, if you have a hunter or a sportsman in your life, that uh, if you're sitting here in Canada... You can go online. You can buy them a, a gift card. Who need? Who wouldn't want a Profit River a stocking stuffer? Just saying. Just saying. Just saying. So run it out there. And that uh, they ship Canada White. So it don't matter where you're listening to here from the Great White North. And when it comes to Profit River, they can make a great uh, Christmas gift, even if you have no idea what to get that sportsman or hunter in your life. Just go to ProfitRiver.com. They are the major retailer of firearms, optics, and accessories. They serve all of Canada. Tyson and Tracy Mitchell, Mitchco Environmental. They're looking for equipment operators. Uh, farming experience is always a bonus. And they're looking for laborers and seasonal, uh, looking for laborers, seasonal or full-time. So if you're looking for work, give them a call, 780-214-4004. And a little side note to put in your back of your bonnet if you're, uh, uh, you know, you're a college student, you're halfway through the year or getting close to it. And uh, maybe you are uh, planning, maybe you're one of those people who like to plan. Maybe you're just enjoying college. I don't know. If you're one of those uh, folks that uh, likes to have their ducks in a row, well, they they hire seasonal work from May uh, to August, uh, Michiko does, where you can make 20000 plus. 20000 plus. Yeah, you heard that right. Um, yeah. That's a, a nice little chunk of change in your pocket. So if you're, if you're uh, a college student or... You're looking for work this instant. Remember, MitchcoCorp.ca, Michco Spring Environmental, 780-214-4004. Silver Gold Bull, North America's premier precious metals dealer with state-of-the-art distribution centers in Calgary, Alberta, and Las Vegas, Nevada. They ensure fast, fully insured, discreet shipping right to your doorstep. They also make a great stocking, stocking stuffer. I'm just saying, wake up in the the, the, the cool morning of... of uh, Christmas and you check your stocking and you got a gift card to Profit River and a, a silver coin, maybe a silver bar. I don't know. Maybe you're filthy stinking rich. A gold bar? Hey, I don't know. I'm going to be in that household. I know I won't be getting a gold bar in my, my stocking, sadly. Um, I don't even know where I was. They offer a full diverse set of services including buyback, wholesale, registered savings, IRA accounts, RRSP, TFSA, as well as filling your stockings. Just saying. Storage and refining solutions as well. You can trust Silver Gold Bull to elevate your precious metal investment journey with unrivaled expertise and unparalleled convenience. Your prosperity and security are top priority, making Silver Gold Bull the go-to choice for all your precious metal needs. SilverGoldBull.ca. 
A. Now let's get on that tail of the tape brought to you by Hancock Petroleum. For the past 80 years, they've been an industry leader in bulk fuels, lubricants, methanol, and chemicals delivering to your farm, commercial, or oil field locations. For more information, visit them at HancockPetroleum.ca. He's the head coach of the Metal Lake She-Devils rugby program. I'm talking about Rufus Crawford. So buckle up. Here we go. Welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. Today I'm sitting with uh, Rufus Crawford. So uh, thanks for coming on in. I'm glad to. Uh, talk rugby anytime I get the chance. Well, you you got to tell me, uh, uh, you know, I know about a, about as little about you as most guests, you know? Like I, I just, uh, I get thrown out, uh, yeah, you should have Rufus on. Oh, all right, sure. Like maybe we can make it happen. And it's, you know, we've been talking off and on about this since the summer. So um, who uh, is Rufus? Let's let's start there and then we'll get into a, bit, a little bit of rugby. Uh, I'm your typical prairie boy. I grew up playing as much hockey as possible, street hockey and Floor hockey in school and street hockey in the afternoon until your ice hockey practice started and hockey was my whole life till like most prairie kids and till I turned 30 I got introduced to rugby <laughs> and now I have a new favorite sport. You got introduced to rugby at 30? <laughs> yes. I was rookie of the year my first year I played and I was older than the coach. <laughs> but I fell in love with it right right off the first practice. So. What is it about rugby you like? I was just, because I was just saying the other day about rugby, I'm like, uh, it's just one sport I just don't get, you know, like, mm-hmm. I, you know, as you can tell, I, I enjoy hockey. Um, and when it comes to the big sports, and maybe you'd argue with me on this, but, uh, you know, you got, you got football, you got baseball. I don't mm-hmm. know if we really call basketball up north here a big sport, right. but certainly in the United States it is, and you got hockey. Um, so I guess I just never fell into rugby and saying that, uh, uh, Murray McDonnell, when I had him on, man, that's a long time ago, and we went out and did it in the Lashburn School, mm-hmm. and he got talking about it, and uh, I mean, obviously, uh, pretty incredible sport is the way he he kind of laid it out. It is, <coughs> and it is. You know, I'll admit it's not that big in Saskatchewan for sure, uh, but it's the second most played sport in the world, second most Rugby. played team sport behind soccer. No kidding. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 big. It's just not big in Saskatchewan. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Well, is it bigger? Like, is it bigger any part uh, other parts of uh, Canada, or is it... yeah, on the East Coast, it's huge. Uh, BC is. I think we have two seasons, and you know the, the national team plays on a BC. So there's, yeah, we were just at a tournament in the end of October in Kamloops. 97, 97 high school teams. Ninety seven high yeah. school teams. Yeah, and all converging. Yeah, they were all from BC except Lashburn was there and. Metal Lake was there. <laughs> was, Interesting. Yeah, two teams from Saskatchewan and mostly BC. So, well, rewind the clocks. You're just an everyday Saskatchewan boy, you yeah. know, doing Saskatchewan boy things, and you stumble into Metal Lake. No, it was I was uh, still living back in my hometown, Simpson, Saskatchewan, an hour and a half southeast of Saskatoon, and uh, a friend of mine were just workout buddies and. He'd got into rugby somehow, and he talked me into coming to a beer night, which was, which was probably the, the first thing I liked about it. <laughs> it, was, it was a beer night, and that that got the hooks into me. And then I came to a practice, and and then it was just the 
the touring and the costumes and the theme nights and the the craziness about it and the camaraderie was it just hooked me so I have no idea what you're talking about right now. <laughs> the touring, the costumes. Uh, obviously, this is a different world I know nothing about. Yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, there's certain tournaments that you go to, you know, try and get to every year, and it's, you know, who can dress up the craziest and what's our theme going to be this year? And and it's so much more about than just the rugby. It's it's a huge community. And, and uh, you know, you, you go to these tournaments and you meet people that you played against last year that may have absolutely stomped your ass, but you, you meet them with big hugs and it's, oh, so glad to see you guys again. And I always compare it to, to hockey, not to bash hockey, but I mean, everybody's so familiar with hockey culture. You know, I, I still can barely stand anybody from the town of Watrous because I played <laughs> hockey there 30 years ago. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with the town. It's a nice town, but it's just that that anger that gets built into some sports. And I mean, it, there's still competition. There's still... There's still grudge matches and stuff, but it's it seems like after the whistle blows after after a rugby game, it's let's go upstairs and drink with those guys and let's you know make sure you buy the referee a drink and and it's just so unlike any other sport culture I've ever been in. So why is that? I I don't know, and it's and it's not just here. I mean that's worldwide. I could throw a pair of cleats on my shoulder and I could go anywhere in the world and never have to buy a hotel room. I just. I could show up at any clubhouse, any rugby clubhouse in the world and say, hey, can you, can you get me on the pitch for 10 minutes? And somebody would gladly sit. They would just say, absolutely, take my spot. Here's my jersey. And, you know, comparing it to hockey, can, could you imagine you're in your dressing room and some, some nobody knocks on the dressing room door and says, I got my skates. Can I, can I go for a skate with you guys? It'd be a huge round of middle fingers and <laughs> beat it, loser. <laughs> And then, you know, after the game, you've got a couch to sleep on for sure. You've, you've got a, you've got a place to stay. Don't worry about me. I do this from time to time. This is going to bug me if I don't. People are like, what is Sean doing? Sean had something sitting in the back of his brain that he knew he hadn't done and he hadn't done it. Uh That is interesting. It is. It's because like um uh there's like hockey culture is you could go around the world and, and certainly walk into a lot of different places and you know, be welcomed, I would say, but you're right, to step on the ice, you'd have to probably know somebody that could vouch for you. I, I think you'd have to you'd have to show up with a resume or a little bit of here, I played in the dub, you know, I'm good enough to, to come out. To strap the skates on yeah, with you. It yeah. is it is weird, isn't it? Yeah. Whereas, whereas if you've played rugby, they just welcome me in. Yeah, for sure. And you have a coach to stay on. And if you're in town for two weeks, they probably find Why you is a that? Job. Is that Is that like, um, you know, like they, they talk about jujitsu. If you do jujitsu and, mm-hmm. and you're willing to go through that and like, it's just kind of like, we, we know you've tested your medal, so to speak. Is that what rugby would be then? I don't know if it would be that extreme because you don't have to be that dedicated to be a good rugby player or a rugby player. It's just more like a brotherhood or a, like a, a Hell's Angels without the motorbikes, you know. You're one of us. Come on in. Uh, I think with jujitsu, there's a there's a huge commitment and a huge, a huge mental commitment and a huge physical commitment. I don't know if there's the commitment to that in rugby that gets your foot in the door, just, or just the fact that we're all we're all brothers in this. And I shouldn't say brothers because the the women's rugby is is just as 
as crazy as the boys too. There's there's a lot of camaraderie there as well. Well, that's that's what I, I see you wearing the she devil uh, uh, mm-hmm. shirt. That that was kind of the 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 idea of having you come in was mm-hmm. to talk about women's rugby in Saskatchewan. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I just took off a, a Cold Lake girls rugby team shirt in the parking lot. I thought I better put on a clean one. So, <laughs> so yeah, there's a there's a lot of trading of jerseys. There's a lot of gifts exchanged at, at rugby games and stuff like that. And uh, it's just such a different culture than any other sport I've been in. So t- <laughs> you go to, you become a 30-year-old rookie. That's, that's funny to me. Mm-hmm. You start playing rugby. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, just as it would be, you, you start coaching, I assume. That's, when I got into rugby, I said, how did I play every sport I could growing up? I didn't, didn't turn on anything. I played every sport I could in school and did after, extra career stuff in different towns and played ball in one town and you know, played football in a different town and played every sport my school offered. And how did I go through 30 years and never hear of rugby? How was that possible? You know, I, I've got to spread the word. I've got to get out and preach rugby. I've got to introduce more people to this game. And that's how I got into coaching. And every town I land in, I try and see if there's a rugby club in town. How long have you been in Meadow Lake for then? Uh, 13 years, I think. What took you to Meadow Lake? Uh, I was working down in Swift Current. I had a, a welding company <coughs> down there. I was coaching a rugby program in Swift Current. And my wife moved Got her dream job, she said, in, in Meadow Lake. So we packed up and moved, and I got I got my roots down and started a rugby team. Living in the Great White North. I yes. mean, in, in fairness, we're all in the Great White North. Who am I yeah. kidding? But, uh, you know, Meadow Lake is, is north. You know, some of the mm-hmm. funnest hockey I've ever played was against the Meadow Lake. Uh, yeah. Meadow Lake, was it the Broncos? I think it was the Broncos. We played them uh, senior. In, mm-hmm. in playoffs, like back-to-back years. And that barn before it burned down was unreal. Like, mm-hmm. just jarred-packed, like, losing their mind. It was awesome. Um, I don't know. Does rugby get fans quite like that? It does. Uh, once again, not in Saskatchewan. You're not going to see a big turnout at a game in Saskatchewan. Just some parents and a few alumni, maybe. But uh, the World <gasps> Cup just ended uh, every four years all the World Cup the just world, ended? World Cup, yeah. Every and who years. won it? South Africa. They beat New Zealand. And, yeah, you get to those stands, and like I talked about, the costumes, there's every country will, you'll go and there'll be a whole section of Samoans, you know, with their, with drums, and then the Fijians will be all in some crazy costume. And then yeah, the st- fans are, st- st- the stands are packed with people, and it's crazy, and it's, uh, even the fans are different, though. I mean, I'll compare it to hockey again, but, you know, you don't have to know anything about hockey to know that you're supposed to yell at the ref and supposed to argue with them, and, and the ref's an idiot. And I, I spent <laughs> I spent a, a, a year down in South Carolina, and I went down to their – they had a local hockey team there, the Stingrays, I think they were called. And I was at a, a, one of the games, and, and people didn't know what was going on, and, and there was a guy screaming at the ref – Come on, you effing idiot. That was frosting. I'm like, do you mean icing? <laughs> Is that what you're really trying to say? So he knew so little about hockey, but still knew that he was supposed to scream at the referee. And uh, and it's the opposite in that, in, in, in rugby. Uh, for example, my girls, 
know the name of every ref in Saskatchewan. It's either, excuse me, sir, or excuse me, ma'am. And the referee is, is you don't backtalk to the referee. You don't yell at him from the sidelines. I mean, the fans get carried away, but, but players, coaches, it's, excuse me, sir, thank you, sir. Excuse me, ma'am, thank you, ma'am. At the end of the game, in, in adult rugby, the captains on both teams buy the referee a beer. Could you imagine the referee, you know, after any other sporting events, coming upstairs to the clubhouse and sitting with, with the players? Can you imagine two teams, two hockey teams, coming upstairs and sharing the same, same bar, same lounge? Well, in senior hockey, they do it. They do it. I don't know if the refs... Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah, I mean, the ref gets to eat first, and the ref gets... The captains and the coaches. Well, you look by at their... you look at um, you look at hockey and ref the refing shortage, right? Like, yeah. there's, and you wonder why. It's like, well, who wants to go getting yelled at at a U nine game, let alone know. A, you know? Yeah. And uh, certainly, I haven't seen any of it this year. But uh, you've seen some horror stories when it comes to hockey. I mean, hockey culture in yeah. general. When you talk about everybody knowing to yell at the ref, it is interesting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, that's an interesting takeaway. Yeah. Another, and I don't want to bash hockey all the time because I mean, it was no, because it's I, the greatest sport out there. <laughs> It was. It used to be. <laughs> but uh, for example, I went to a. I, I did some. I've got some hockey coaching background, and I've done some wrestling wrestling coaching background as well. But when we went to our first, uh, you know, level one or your your first introduction to to refing, so it's a bunch of green green adults that want to be coaches, but this is their first coaching seminar they go to. And we've brought in, they brought in a guy from Hockey Canada and, you know, he's got his degree in kinesiology and he's got his degree in this and he's played in the dub and, you know, he's, he's hired by Hockey Canada to promote their product. And there's 10 guys with zero coaching experience sitting outside. I wonder what this fucking idiot's going to try and tell us. I wonder what garbage this guy's going to try and jam down our throat. So right away, we've got such a, a conflict going. Versus I've been to multiple coaching seminars with, with coaches from Rugby Canada, and it's the exact opposite. It's, it's 10 coaches sitting around going, man, I can't wait to hear what this guy's got to say. I'm going to, whatever he tells me, I'm going to take it to my next practice. And, you know, this guy, he played for Team Canada. He knows his shit, and I can't wait to just absorb his wisdom. And it's just the, the two different cultures again. It's, do I'll do it my way, and this guy's an idiot, regardless of his degree and his title. And Do you think that's uh, culture, or do you think uh, some of that's just leadership? Well... Maybe, maybe if those same coaches, you know, two years from now when they're at, at the next level of coaching, maybe they'd have a little more appreciation or a little more respect for the the people above them. But I don't know. I just, it just seems like everybody thinks they know more than the refs and everybody thinks, you know, the rink's full of coaches that know more than the coach, right? And the rink's full of people that know more than the ref. And... And I, like I said, I don't want to pick on hockey, but you see that in other sports too. You, you know, you go to basketball well, hockey, game, yeah, volleyball. but hockey, hockey's the the realistically is our is our national sport, right? right? I mean, like it's it's um it's intense, even from a young age now. Like it's 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 intense. It's yeah, and it's and it's it's a little bit cutthroat, and you know, it, the whole the whole idea of having a ten and under tiered team or a triple A ten and under team. That, some people, you know, think that's what we need, and so I'm, I'm kind of the opposite. Let just let kids play, and let's get everybody on the ice, and don't worry about such. But they're all going in the NHL. Uh, every one of them, of course, of course, yes. And you can't do it unless you bill it out somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, not every rugby program is run the same as mine, of course. But mine, my philosophy is let's let's get them some 
everybody on the field and everybody playing and and then if they want to advance and go to the next level later there's plenty of time for that later how many years did you say you've coached 13 no it's more than 13 yeah I've been 13 coaching, in metal yeah i've probably been coaching closer to 20 20 years now a lot longer than i played i've been for coaching sure. for two and a half so Mm-hmm. And I've only been coaching U7, which is, <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah. It is I always fun. say uh, you want to solve the, the world's problems, have them all go coach a, a couple days of U7 because, like, you just can't be mad. Like, <laughs> it, the kids, even when they're, you know, I got to pee or I got to do this uh-huh. or I got to, like, it's it's awesome. Even when they're crying, it's it's still awesome because I can't think of a funnier place or fun funner place maybe to be. And saying that, coaching is really um, – something i didn't realize i was going to enjoy you know like i thought uh-huh. I, I was kind of like i don't want to coach like i'm you know uh-huh. i played lots of hockey but i just like i don't know how to um convey what i know to little kids i still suck at it but i'm learning uh 20 years of coaching what have you uh i assume you've <laughs> you've uh, ha- uh had days where you're like i got this by the by the scruff of the no, next day. No, it's one of those situations, you know, the more you know, you realize you don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, you ha- I had these great visions going into my first year of coaching and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And it just gets down to, th- it's the basics. You just got to make the basics interesting. And I've, I've been to a couple coaching sessions with high-level, co- you know, Team Canada coaches. I drove down to Regina, took some kids down, and this will be the ultimate. I'm going to learn the the biggest back play that nobody can defend against. I'm going to learn all these. And that coach is just pass and catch, pass and catch. <laughs> you know, it's just learn the basics, but make them mix it up enough to make it interesting. Because you can come up with the most in, insane, impossible, complicated play, but if nobody can catch the ball, it doesn't matter. So, so you try and make it fun and try and make it interesting. And, yeah, don't be too hard on anybody. And that's that's where I go with my philosophy. Uh, that's funny. Uh, that works for you seven too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if if you if it isn't fun, they'll be laying on the ground. Uh, I yeah. don't know. I call it pouting, but they'll be they'll they'll show you with their bodies, right? U seven yeah. or like five and six year olds. They just <coughs> they have no way to hide it. They just it, it, everything's on their shoulder. They, yeah, they're, they're they're honest about it. Oh yeah, and so like if it ain't fun, yeah. within. 15 minutes they're laying on the ice and going this sucks and i don't want to be here right and what time is this practice over? that's right and so you got you got to get creative actually uh, one of the things uh, um what's the age groups that metal lake has like what's the well right now we have uh u16 team and a bunch of u14 players playing up into u16 and we have a u14 sort of division i guess we've got girls from 11 to 16 on our team. Well, you don't start them younger than that? Uh, they play flag rugby <coughs> in Canada, and they don't want to get into the tackle rugby till you're 12. Yep. Uh, the rest of the world, they have six and under tackle, seven and under, eight and under. <laughs> and they have weight restrictions, so if you're a humongous eight-year-old, then you got to play up with the, the 10-year-olds. Uh, but in, in Saskatchewan or, or in Canada, it's they try and keep you out of the tackle till you're 12. For so. fear of injury. I, I guess, um, I, t- in my philosophy, it's never too early to learn how to tackle safely. And if you're six six years old, you're, you have a lot sh- shorter distance to fall. If you don't start tackling to your gangly 14, that could be trouble. But Well, I always think yeah. of hitting in hockey yeah. is the same way now, right? Mm-hmm. Bantam hockey, or well, it's not Bantam anymore. What is that, folks? You, is that U13? 
U15? I don't know. I can't. Yeah. I think Pee-wee's U13. I'm not supposed to use those words anymore, but it's the only way my brain works. I'm like, Bantam hockey. U15, I think. Uh, But introducing hitting then, I'm like, you know, I remember being, um, I would have been 11 years old, got called up to play house hockey in the older division, and first shift getting absolutely corked like i mean i got lit up in the corner and i'm like okay don't don't do that again uh-huh. right and um i can't imagine uh well being <laughs> like two years old like by the time the bantam kids like there are some kids that can a- are absolute men yes you know yeah and the speed's so much increased by that too that too, too. That yeah. too. yeah so you get way bigger kids going way faster yeah. it's one of the things that i admire actually about um uh rugby and i think this comes from murray mcdonnell was the learning to tackle and learning how to take a tackle right um those two things i don't think um like when i heard that i'm like huh you know like certainly when we were when young when i was younger we learned how to hit Mm -hmm. never how to take and i don't even know would they do that in hockey like is it do do people tell you how to take a hit I, i actually don't know if they do i think it gets brushed on a little bit they i seem to remember a a quick blurb on how to take a hit, but yeah. Well, in rugby, what, what, like, is it a, is it like, is it something that that's the first thing you're learning so that you don't, or is that just kind of blended in? Like skating, like doing certain things to learn how to balance on your skates. No, I certainly bring it in as fa- as, you know, within the first two practices, we're learning how to, how to fall down basically, or how to take a hit. And, and, you know, people get this misconception as <coughs> it's just like football with no equipment. And it isn't. I mean, how many times you hear the, the old sticking him in the numbers and, you know, get your head in his ribs and all that. Well, we don't have a helmet. So the first thing we have to do is protect our heads. So we tackle with our shoulders. And way less injuries that way, way less neck injuries. It doesn't matter how thick your helmet is if your neck snaps. You know, your, hel- your head can be perfectly protected, but it's the neck that, that gets in big trouble. So you start sticking your head into people's Helmet to helmet or helmet to chest, you know, that that's where thing, bad things You happen. have the body tech. You know, I'm chuckling because we're built <laughs> relatively the same. I'm like, I might have been a decent rugby player because I look <laughs> at you and I'm like, you're built for rugby. Well, you know, and that there, there's another misconception. It's, and that's one of the things I love about rugby, is, especially women's rugby, is you look at the high school volleyball, basketball, track team, it's the same 12 girls. We need tall, skinny girls that can, are fast and can jump. And... If you don't fit that body mold, well, there's always shot put. And what do you do with a short kid that just is full of energy but is too short to play basketball or volleyball? They're a great athlete. They're just four feet tall. I have a spot for you in the rugby team. That big girl that's too slow, I have a spot for you in the rugby team. That kid that gets way too many penalties in soccer because she's too aggressive, I want you on my rugby team. There is a spot for every kid on a rugby team, and that's what I love about it is you get every kid a chance to play on a team and be part of a team. And if you don't fit that certain body type in high school, you know, your sports are very limited. So you kind of take the uh, the misfits and put them on, put them on a team. And then yeah. what do we know about team sports? Like you learn a whole lot more. Yes, yeah. I mean, and you could take any sport and you learn about, you know, teamship and commitment and camaraderie and every sport's like that. <laughs> And I think rugby takes it a little bit further because you're bringing in people from outside your peer group. You're now your teammates with somebody you probably have never talked to. It's not the same six girls or same 12 girls. It's holy cow. I'm part of a way bigger thing now. 
you know, I, I'm, I'm having flashbacks to Murray, uh, honestly, because I think one of the things he said back then was like instilling confidence in kids that don't have much. Mm-hmm. And I assume as a coach, you get to see that kind of play out. Because one of the things about U7 hockey, and once again, I'm speaking to my very limited coaching, uh, is the progress. I was saying to the wife the one day, wife's a teacher. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I finally, like, this is pretty cool. Like uh, coaching these kids in hockey, I'm like, you can literally see their progression week over week, mm-hmm. you know? And by the end of the year, I'm like, we've taken some of the weakest skaters and I'm no, I'm not the, you know, the God's gift to coaching by any stretch, but we've taken some of the weak skate, weakest skaters and they're like ripping around the ice and, you know, and, and, you know, one of the big things for us is we had 10 kids last year, each one of them scored a goal, you know, like, isn't that a cool feeling for them? Everybody yeah. celebrated that. That's pretty cool. And she goes, well, duh, why do you think I like teaching? And I'm like, well, why do you like teaching? She's like, well, I get to see the progression of kids with reading and writing and all these things. And I'm like, oh, I guess I always mm-hmm. just looked at like. 20 kids in a room I'm like I can't do that right but here <laughs> yeah. you are on the ice in, in mm-hmm. more of my element and you get to see the progression of kids grow and, and uh, well that's a I didn't that was a complete surprise to me nobody told me about that before I started coaching yeah there's a there's a lot of that and you even get parents coming up and you know halfway through the season I can't believe the change in my daughter's confidence I can't believe how outgoing she is I mean, when you get into coaching, that's not really, I want to, that's not what your goal is. You want to teach kids about your sport that you're passionate about and you want them to succeed. But yeah, there's those added bonuses that, yeah, I never thought of that. And, you know, parents thanking you at the end of the year, halfway through the year. And, you know, she was in such a dark place or she was so depressed and so, you know, into herself and just wouldn't, introverted. And now she's out socializing with friends and there's so much more to it than just the sport. And then, I'm glad you're getting to witness that. <laughs> well, that's pretty cool to, to, to hear you talk about it too because, um, you know, that's why I love team sports, right? Like, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, like, I enjoy golfing and, and, and different things, but, like, there's something special about a team sport. And mm-hmm. uh, when you talk about that with parents even seeing it, like, I was saying this to now, my wife uh, the other day. Um, when it comes to, like, our kids, I'm like, just want them to have good coaches. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if I'm worried – like. Do I want him to play the top level? Yeah, I want him to play the top level. But I've played the top level and had poor coaching. <laughs> and I tell you what, it doesn't do you any, like, it, it ruins your taste for a sport. Yeah, it really can. Yeah. And, and you look at Murray McDonnell and Lashburn, like, it, I don't like, you just got to bring up his name and people <laughs> just gush about what he did mm-hmm. in that town. Little old Lashburn. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, heck, little old Metal Lake, you know, too. That's right. You know that uh, Lashburn has more girls registered in Saskatchewan rugby than Saskatoon does, and so does Meadow Lake. Meadow Lake has... Isn't that wild? Isn't it? Yeah. Well, hats off to you, because you think about that, that's, that's, um... That's the program, right? That's mm-hmm. that's that's the people at the top running it. Because if it sucked, nobody'd be doing <laughs> it, right? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, Mister McDonnell, he did a what a story too. He just came, picked up a basically a book. I've never played rugby, but it looks cool. We should try it. And he took it, and it's still going. I mean, now there's there's six rugby fields in Saskatchewan, two in Regina, two in Saskatoon, and two in Lashburn. <laughs> that's, that's it. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what a legacy. What he's done in that town, yeah. And they've been competitive. They're, I mean, they're a, 
Well, he used they have to a force he, to be reckoned with. I'm, he told me that you know they started them in I don't know grade four. I'm going to say, and I th- I'm going to even say they could start before them, folks. But regardless, you get the point. And by the time they hit grade ten, they've got six years. Even if it's not great rugby, they've got they they understand the basics. They understand yes. what they're doing. And when they hit grade ten, they're off and running. Whereas like Saskatoon, Regina, they start in grade ten, so it's like. Yeah. Learning, you know, it's football in town right now. It's your football program, yeah. And and now uh, Holy Rosary and maybe maybe the comp too. I actually don't know that, but like they've started having younger. Uh, now you can play football at like six or seven, right? So yeah. th- they're starting that. You know, you think of hockey. If you just fl- slapped on a, a pair of skates at high school, how bad would the hockey be no for the first? You know, and we have kids skating by two. Yeah. It's like get on the ice. That's what we're doing. You know, and and you know. Not that he revolutionized anything. He just took a, like you say, he picked up a book mm-hmm. and went, wow, this is something, and then started implementing it at the youngest ages. Yeah, that, it's a wild, wild story. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we keep going back to Murray. I'm, mm-hmm. You know, Rufus, we could talk about uh, Metal Lake and what you've been doing. Well, we've had uh, a lot of success there. We make it fun. We do travel. I mean, we have to. We we're in the middle. We're far north. It's not like we have a local league there, but your 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 uh, closest game is Lashford. Yes, yes, a two and a half hour. <laughs> if that isn't this area, I don't know what is. You know, uh, depending on how well the bus is running, yeah, it might be a three hour trip to Lashford, but but we're loving it. And uh, next, I mean, we're at the point next year where we're going to have two separate teams, which is which is huge. We can't have our 11-year-olds out on the field with our 16-year-olds, so we're going to have to. We've grown enough that we're going to break it into two different teams next year, so that's pretty exciting. But And we're, there's always big plans. Uh, like I said, we just got back from the Kamloops. There's a talk of maybe flying to Florida this spring. And then the Women's World Cup uh, is in England in 2025. And I'm my brain's churning. When, ooh, <laughs> our girls have played rugby four years. They'll be quite good, quite competitive. Let's go to England. Let's watch. Team Canada's women's team is ranked fourth in the world. No kidding. Yes. So how cool would that be to fly off to the UK, cheer on Team Canada, and play two or three games in England? So that's that's a big part of rugby is the touring and the traveling and the getting dressed up. And <laughs> what This dressed up thing, you, you got to – like what? What have you guys? What have you ladies and guys got dressed up as? Uh, you got to be a little bit careful with young girls that are so body conscious and sure. And you know you can't get into hazing and you can't get into. So we, we've got to be a little bit more gentle with it. But uh, when we went to, uh, when we went to the Okanagan, we had a big contest between our older girls and our younger girls, and the the winner got to go through all my old totes of rugby costumes and dress the younger team. And that's how they had to ride the bus all the way to Kamloops and <laughs> <laughs> old crushed velvet leisure suits and <laughs> bridesmaids dresses and <laughs> some homemade stuff that I'd sewn up. So yeah, I had all these little girls dressed up in my stuff that I wore as a costumes 20 years ago. But another example is we used to play when I li- played in Saskatoon, we played against a team from the British military base in, uh, in outside of Lethbridge. No, wait, I'm, I'm getting my... Military bases mixed up. We played against ones in Moose Jaw, but we played against ones in in Medicine Hat. That's where it was. Medicine Hat military base. And it's a British military base. So they'd come up for a tour once a year 
and it was unbelievable the work they'd put into their costumes. There was sci-fi stuff going on. There was alien aliens and predators and Mickey Mouses. <laughs> Just, just to go out. And you be. make it seem like there's this entirely different world that I have no idea exists, <laughs> and it's rugby. It is, and and there you are. You're, they come up and you host them. You make sure they get fed. You make sure there's beers at the end of the the day, day for, or the game for them. You make sure that you know the bus is there to pick up that team, and we all get on a bus together. We just spend eighty minutes bashing each other around the pitch and stomping on each other. And then we can't wait to get upstairs and sing songs together and drink beer together and hop on a bus together and take over a karaoke bar together. And <laughs> and, then, and then we don't see each other for a year. I take it there is some uh, rugby songs that are like folklore almost? There are, and I have been trying to come up with one that's appropriate for a high school girls team, and I have <laughs> I have not. <laughs> they're, they're just not meant for young teenage girls, but. But yeah, there's a lot of, a do you lot have, of songs. Do you have boys rugby too? Everybody asks, why don't I have a boys team? And if I could clone myself, I would. But it's it takes a lot of time to run a girls program and a lot of travel. And I know that if I put up a sign-up sheet to start a boys rugby team, I could have one. But I didn't want to develop a boys rugby team and have it become another boys sport and then try and convince girls to play it. Kind of like football. You'll get two or three girls every year that want to try out for the boys' football team. <coughs> I didn't want that. I didn't want it to be an exception. I wanted to start a girls' program, get it established, and now that's that's their team. It's not a f- spin-off of the boys' rugby team. It's not a couple girls that want to play boys' rugby. No, this is the She-Devils Rugby Club. This is yours. And if I can find another coach or if I can figure out a way to clone myself, I will start a boys' team. Second, girls first get it established, and then a boys team. And we've been so close to having coaches that we're going to take it over, and then they they transferred or they moved or something, you know. And we even had T-shirts made up one year, but (laughs) I've got a box of Metal Lake Skunk Ape rugby T-shirts. Metal Metal Lake what? (laughs) Skunk Apes. Skunk Apes. Yes. Skunk Apes. Yeah. What the heck is a skunk ape? Uh, I think it's another... Louisiana, Southern Mississippi type state. Uh, that's what they call a Sasquatch. Is a skunk ape. Is a skunk ape. Yeah, Yeti, Bigfoot, Sasquatch, skunk, skunk ape. ape. That's it. That's um. I don't think I've ever heard that before. <laughs> we wanted to be original, very original, and it it went back to my rugby days. We were trying to give somebody on our team a nickname of skunk ape, but we couldn't figure out what they had to do to earn that name, and so it just kept lingering for a year or two. <laughs> so you go with girls. Do you have girls? Is that why you were so um? It needs to be girls, or was there something else that was like uh, the push for that? No, uh, started up a team with uh, another coach in Meadow Lake or in, in Swift Current when I was down there, and he had the same philosophy: if we get a girls team going, then we'll get a boys team eventually. And then he moved back to Manitoba, where he's still coaching. And <coughs> once again, I was sort of the the coach, and I couldn't spread myself too thin to get a, a bo- a both a girls and boys. And I've, I've, I've ran the idea of, of trying to do practices together and travel, but I've, I've been talked on of it. There's been too many coaches saying, no, the, the girls that are, you know, body conscious don't show up because they're, they don't want to be around the boys and the boys show off to the girls and they, people get hurt because the boys are showing off and nobody listens. And so I'd just rather have a really good one program and then a, 
if I have a chance, I'll move on and, and make it boys. But I come back to it. So why, like, from the start, were mm-hmm. you like, girls don't have enough opportunities to uh, have their sport? Or was there something else that that's why you drifted into, or not? I call it drifted, I don't know, turned into whatever girls' rugby? Because you played men's rugby, right? I did, yes. Yeah. Uh, when I was in Swift Current, uh, it was somebody else at, at the school that started it. And my wife worked at that school, and I just moved to Swift Current. I hadn't really got my feet under me hardly even. And, and she said, there's a guy handing out sign-up sheets for rugby. So I immediately phoned the Bee-lined guy. Beelined it. Yes. So many pints later and swapped rugby stories and we became new best friends. And and then he started a girls rugby. And I think it was because he'd been he'd been coaching high-level rugby in Manitoba for the girls' side. So he just started it up. And it, it, he had the same philosophy. We'll, we'll get a girls' team going and then the boys will come easy. It'll follow. No problem. And But then he moved and then I was solo. So we were stuck with one coach to try and do two teams. So I just stayed with the girls and. And I came up here, and I, I kind of knew the routine, so I started a girls' program. With it's always been the plan to have a boys' program as well, but I think it's so much easier if we start a girls, the boys will follow. If we start a boys, it's just a, another boys' sport that the weird girls try out for, or the tom boys try out for. So I'd rather do it this way, even though it's taken a lot longer to get that boys' team going. I'm still really glad I did it this way. Yeah, it's um. It's interesting, I guess. Um, I, I, you know, this will probably sound dumb coming out of my brain, but it, it's almost like uh, most sports start the opposite way. It's almost mm-hmm. like the guys get a, it going, and then and then and then girls come after. Maybe I'm wrong on that, folks. Like I could be completely wrong on that. I I actually don't know. I just find that really fascinating. I think it's um, or sometimes they make up a sport to compensate. Like I think ringette was originally girls hockey. Oh really? I think so. I've never heard of a boys ringette. I've never heard of boys ringette either. Yeah, and then I think the answer to boys football was was field hockey. That's a girls' sport, and I don't know if there's boys field. Do you hockey. have kids? I do. Yes. How old are your kids? Fifteen, thirteen, and twelve. Oh, yeah, so you're a yeah. busy guy. I am right now. My daughter's playing, but I was. How how yeah. is that? How's coaching your daughter? Is that a cool? Uh... Uh, I I had some flag <laughs> rugby going. Uh, like flag football, we had, <laughs> and we had a lot of kids out. And my wife doesn't like rugby so much, not because it's, it's. I think it's the time I dedicate it to rugby that sure. she, she doesn't want to be part of that world, which is fine. But I said it was our last day of rugby, and I said, "Come out! All three kids are playing. It's just we're having fun. We're giving out drinks and snacks, and we're just playing games. Come out and check it out." And uh, as she pulled up. My young or my oldest boy had punched some kid in the nose for something, <laughs> and had lost his cool, and he was in the bushes having a temper tantrum. And uh, for some reason, my three kids had some moment of solidarity which they've never had. So my sister, my daughter, was standing on the other side of the field, thinking this was my fault. He did that because you're a terrible teacher. You're a terrible coach. <laughs> I hate you, Dad. <laughs> and then my, as I was trying to help this kid with the with the bleeding nose, my youngest was about four or five, come running up and punched <laughs> me in the nuts. <laughs> so I had all three kids having a meltdown. My wife opened the door, shut the door, and pulled away. <laughs> that was the last rugby she's been that, that was the- <laughs> <laughs> So, yes, my kids did all try it. Uh my oldest isn't into it and I'm not going to push it. 
And then my daughter, uh, this is, she's in her second year and is really enjoying it. Has it, that it, it, a little tough though with coaching your daughter? I've had to I've had to talk quite a few times. Okay, I'm not dad right now. I'm coach. You wouldn't talk to any other coach like you talk to your dad. You know, chill out. You can't you can't talk to coaches the way we talk to each other at home. So there's been a few of those discussions, but it's come a long way. Uh, on my end, I've got to coach my two oldest now, and I'm mm-hmm. you know the third is is well on his way. So I, that'll be uh, interesting. They're all different. Like mm-hmm. uh, my children are very like. Oh man, um, um, but really enjoyable, you know. I probably wouldn't trade that for anything. Like, uh, I don't know if it, after you know U seven, certainly with where the kids are at and everything, if if it'll change and I'll eventually, uh, uh, you know, take a step back or whatever. Mm-hmm. I have I have no idea, right? But to to have a couple of years where you get to step on the the ice with them and and. Yeah. Uh, have a little bit of fun and nice thing about U seven. I, I was I was gonna ask: Does rugby have any like fun games you play? Because one of the best games that we ever we we do now in U seven is called Wolves and Sheep. And a shout out to Chris King; he's a women's basketball coach at the college. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm watching one of their basketball games they play, right? And I'm like watching. I'm like, that's interesting. What do you call that? He's like, oh, Wolves and Sheep. I'm like, I can do that in hockey. And now we do it in hockey, mm-hmm. just obviously different, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we just took something and put it into hockey and now it's like one of the funnest games and nobody's ever heard of it because it literally has never been in hockey before it wasn't mm-hmm. me who did it it was literally chris king who was helping the assistant coach at the time who did it does rugby have any uh uh hidden gems where you play play uh i don't know um yes yes yeah, definitely uh and a lot of them come out of a there's a flag rugby program in saskatchewan that's really really well done it's a binder that comes and it's built around the, the school curriculum. And it's basically you walk in and give a gym teacher eight weeks of lesson plans, and every day is a different game. And it's <coughs> a lot of it is just, here's a game that you already know. We're going to put a rugby ball in your hand. Freeze tag, but you got to have a rugby ball. You know, British Bulldog, but you're carrying a rugby ball. So it's, it's, it's fun games, learning how to, and then you incorporate you got to make one pass before you get to the other end. You got to make, you got to do something with the rugby ball, and it just incorporates games they already know, with the added little bit of rugby touch to it. So yeah, it's lots and lots of games I put in, even if my U sixteen girls, and I'll, I'll write it right Heck, into my we can, lesson plan. We can be our age, and we still like uh, a good exactly. old game. Yes, yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I write it right into my lesson plan. Sometimes I don't know what that game's going to be, but I make sure that this is not a drill. This is strictly fun with a rugby ball. And for the younger girls, I do it more, you know, maybe two or three times a, a practice. Yeah, well, it, do, it doesn't matter your age. Yeah. You know, I've seen some adults start playing like dodgeball or something, and they're having fun, let me tell you. Right? <laughs> and then they get serious. Yeah, yeah. well, that's the thing, right? Yeah. You, you think, oh, I'm too old for that. It's like, nah, nah, you're not. You're not. Like, yeah. um, you can get uh, <laughs> me, I got three older brothers, and we can get into it about just about anything, you know? Like, uh, and. Mm. Love competition. Love, uh, love that aspect of it. And mm-hmm. you know, you you make me wish that I'd maybe given rugby a little bit of a try. You know, like uh, uh, in a in a younger day, because one of the things definitely heard like rumblings about it. I remember mm-hmm. people doing it. When you think about it when you when you talk about how many how many pitches you said. There's two in two in Lashburn, two in Saskatoon, and two in Regina. Yeah, those are the six. Yeah, like you think about that. 
No wonder none of us uh, grew up yeah. playing. Oh, well, not none of us, but a majority of us. But, but you can play it anywhere. You can play it on a football field. It's sure. Just, rugby's just a little bit longer, a little bit wider, but and the posts are different. But you can certainly adapt. And that's one great thing about rugby. And I, and I think that's why soccer is the most played sport in the world. You don't need anything. No, you need you literally need a ball, and you don't yeah. even need shoes. Or you can tie your bunny hug up in a knot. You don't want to talk about things that I, I dislike about hockey right now. Is It, is, it was always an expensive sport, yeah. right? It's always been an expensive sport. But right now, it's a ridiculously expensive sport. When you think you could throw them in soccer, you know, mm-hmm. and, like, there's just nothing there. There's, like, sure, there's a set of shoes and, mm-hmm. and, and, a, and a ball. But, I mean, one ball for 15 or 30 kids, right? Like, it's it's so different yeah. than than hockey, right? Everybody needs a stick. Everybody needs skates. Everybody needs this. Everybody needs that. You need mm-hmm. that, and then you need this. And then when you get to there, you need a little more of that. And you've weeded out so many people that can't afford to play. That yes. Now you can't have a team in your hometown. You've got to travel hours just to get enough people combined to form a team that's one thing i hate about hockey i love the sport yeah like i absolutely love the sport it's taught me so much about life met so many good people teamwork everything is you know all that but you know when you look at it as a parent where i sit Mm -hmm. i'm like man this is expensive and it's not getting any you know like a stick now is like 300 some bucks i mean that's the top of the line but i mean still i saw a pair of skates the other day 1400 dollars yeah Holy smokes. That's our rugby seasons. We charge 400 bucks a season, and that includes hotels and travel. I mean, we do a little fundraising, and we have some great sponsors this yeah, year. Yeah, but you know, the, the, the fundraising, see, as kids, we talk about this all the time. As kids, we used to go work the bingo hall. Yeah. Like, we used to go work all these things. No, 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 just here's my money. I don't understand yeah. that. Well, uh, I mean, I think some parents, if, if you can afford it, they're just, if you get three kids in, in three different sports, you're so sick of selling 50-50 coupons. Sure. You're so sick of selling those discount booklets and stuff. Just, here's the money. I'm done. Just let me go. I don't want to be part of this all year long. And you know what? If you can afford it, great. But you still have to have that option for the fundraising for the people that can't afford it. So you have to put up with the fundraising. Or the people, I mean, they, I'm not opposed to fundraising, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I I think it's good for kids to have to, oh, like... Oh, that's the... Pro- you're right. I see where you're going with this. Yeah, it's, it used to be the kids did all the fundraising. Yeah, well, <laughs> we they, used to work the bingo hall. Yeah. Now, in fairness, when you think back about it, that whole place was a haze of smoke, <laughs> right? Like, that was not a... You know, that was not a safe place. Well, not a safe place. It probably wasn't the best place for kids, but we used yeah. to walk in there and it would be wafting out. Yeah. And then you'd run the, the, you know, you'd run the bingo hall for a night and, and, and out you go again. Yeah. Right. I think it's like, I don't know. I don't know how long after me they did that, but certainly all my siblings did it. Yeah. I, like, I think it's a good lesson. I it, mean, it, yeah. So such a huge life lesson that has nothing <coughs> to do with the sport, but because you're part of a, an organization or a sport, you're learning about community involvement and you're yes. learning about your, your It's teammates. a huge part of being a community is it the is. community involvement. If you're not involved yeah. in the community, you, you you know, like, do, is a community actually a community of people don't interact and, like, get involved and do all the lovely things that communities do, fundraise and support others and, and help people out yeah. when they're in need and all those different things, right? Like, uh, like buy, buy those things at the bake sale that you know are terrible, but you're still going to support the team. Or you buy the things at the bake sale that are phenomenal and <laughs> yes. you're, like, overpaid. I just, I bought a, I bought a uh, pumpkin pie for 20 bucks, and I'm like, yeah. I don't know. If it, I assume that's overpaying by quite some, but I'm like, I don't care. It's going to a small community, and I'm like, mm-hmm. and it's pu- homemade pumpkin pie. That's coming home with me, you yes. know? Yeah. Those are the best. Mm-hmm. I've actually seen a bit of a resurgence in um, 
the fall suppers. I mm-hmm. felt like for for a time, the fall suppers uh, in all the little communities started to not die off, but dwind- yeah, maybe die die off, maybe dwindle. Yeah. And I I feel like they're back like gangbusters. You see a lot of posters for them. Yes, Quite you often they're associated with a church. One church will do one one weekend, another church will do one another weekend. But yeah, I came from a small enough town that there was there was one fall supper. You either made it or you didn't. So well, that's Hillmont. Everyone, that's where I'm from. Yeah. Right? So you didn't have an option. You were either there or you missed it, and you really looked forward to it. Yeah. yeah and you're right. Those are Well, small towns are dying, so the small town fall supper is dying along with it. But, but if you're finding new ones, <laughs> that's a good sign. <laughs> Is there anything else I, I, I've glazed over with uh, with uh, with rugby? I, you know, I I walk in with uh, shooting from the hip kind of here. Ah, uh, I did write down a couple notes. I think I covered everything I, I was going to chat about. Uh, a little story about my first game of rugby. Like I said, I didn't play till I was thirty, and uh, after the after the game, we're sitting around in our dressing room, we're having a crack and a cold one, and. Uh, and my coach says, well, make sure, everybody make sure you go up and buy your opposite of beer. And I'm looking around the dressing room. Who's my opposite? The skinny guy? <laughs> I didn't have a clue who my opposite. So I said, well, who, who's my opposite? The guy on the other team wearing the same number as you. And I was just floored. They're going to be here? Well, yeah, it's the rugby clubhouse. This isn't our clubhouse. It's the rugby. Of course, we're going to go up and have beers with the other team. And... I'd already fallen in love with rugby, but that hit me so hard that really we're going to go sit with the opposition and what, what fight? No, we're going to sing songs, probably get naked, you know, do something (laughs) stupid. (laughs) You're going to wake up on one of their floors tomorrow morning. Really? This, this is so strange to me, so alien to me, but I loved it. The fact that somebody up there was waiting for me to come by them or or I'd get up and they already had a beer waiting for me. The guy that I was in rugby, you don't get to pick your number. If you play this position, you get this number. If you play this position, you get really? this number. Really? Yes. So it's one through fifteen. Well, that's an interesting uh yeah. hmm. And you don't you you don't see names on the back of rugby jerseys, even at the highest level. It's not about you. It's about the team. And you don't get to pick your number. Uh, you don't get to retire a number. Because there's only 15, and, and the next seven are the subs. So your rugby team is one to 22. When that's you, it. That's interesting, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Because you think of, you know the hockey culture. You mm-hmm. know what's the one of the highest honors in all of hockey? Well, Wayne Gretzky got his entire number retired from every team, right? Mm-hmm. And they put his hockey number behind the net for a full season, I think. And you go like that's about as high as honor as you're ever going to get in the NHL or at the highest level. And right. so you see people retire hockey numbers, and that's, you know, that's mm-hmm. about the individual and what they meant to a program or a team or the game of hockey or whatever. And rugby mm. takes it a completely different way. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah, you you know what number you what position you are, and that's what number you play. And what a cool thing to find at 30 years old. <laughs> it was an eye opener, and. And, you know, like the, you asked earlier about, you know, what have I learned from coaching? I think it's changed me a lot. I, it's, it's made me so much more tolerant and patient and, and less selfish because I really, when that light bulb goes on in the field and I see that, you know, you practice, you practice, practice, and it, sometimes it doesn't really click in until you get on the ice or on the field. And then there'll be girls running around on the pitch and it's, oh, that's why we've been doing this. Now I get it. 
and they come back the next practice and try way harder because now it makes sense to them. And I just live for those light bulb moments where the girls are go, yes, or or the the parent that comes at the end of the year and you know thank you so much, not for the win, not for the you know we made it to provincial finals or something. It's not that. It's about the changes in people, and and it's changed me a lot. You know, I'll be in a lineup at a you know at the grocery store or something, and somebody will be in front of me on their phone, and the you know, come on, the old me would have said, hey, put your fucking phone away you know, or, or, or go to the back of the line. But now I'm thinking that might be a parent of a kid that I'm going to coach or that I, you know, I want to coach and I want to have a good relationship with that person. That might be a future sponsor. That might be somebody that's, you know, going to be our team accountant next year. So I, I, I treat complete strangers differently now. I just have so much, such a tolerance for, for people. And then I'm really less selfish, I think, because I, I live for those moments where the other kids, well, the thing is, what you're talking about is you just don't know what one interact, you know, like mm-hmm. the ripple effect of it, right? Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, um, we've probably all had that experience where you talk to somebody and you're just kind to them and you don't really think much of it and they turn mm-hmm. out to be good friends with somebody that you end up going to talk to and they're like, I've heard about you. And you're like, oh, okay, uh, mm-hmm. great, right? Like, But it can go backwards. Well, you, you could be that asshole. Well, your reputation with, with no precedes patience. you. Yeah. And then... Yeah, it could backfire. So I've had to hold my tongue quite a bit and and it's paid off, I think. So there's good there's a lot of good stuff being said about the team and the girls and the changes and Lloyd have a rugby program? It does. Yes. Alberta though? Yes. So that okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh it's too bad because uh Saskatchewan's insured through Rugby Canada <coughs> and Lloyd is in, uh, insured through their schools. So their insurance is way cheaper, but they're not allowed to play teams that aren't affiliated with the school and if we're not affiliated with the school we can't play each other so there's Lashburn and Lloyd the two closest and they and can't can, they can't play each other isn't that wild it is it's a bit oh, of a oh the place. insurance thing's always yeah. uh, is it's a wild uh you know conversation just yeah. in general right like that's hmm. the uh what uh when when season typically we try and squeeze it in as soon as the snow's off the pitch in May and uh, if you're affiliated with a school, you've got to be, I think the rule is you've got to be done two weeks before final exam. So it's a short season, May to June. And then if we carry on into, you know, forming a provincial team and playing Manitoba or Alberta, then you get into three or four weeks after that. And then those that want to carry on even further can go into August. And there's a Western Canada Championships in August. But right now, with, after COVID, the numbers get decimated, so it's can be us and Lashburn can be the provincial team and then we can be the you know go to Westerns but there's not a lot other in northern Saskatchewan to, to it's gonna be from. tough on competition you mm-hmm. know like I, I think of uh I grew up playing fastball mm-hmm. and by the end I was playing for Grand Prairie so I was uh, you know living in Lloyd playing for Grand Prairie and there's only a handful of teams left in all of Alberta and we just yeah. walked to Westerns pretty much you know and that used to be every small town. Every had, small town. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, well, I grew up, uh, my brother won nationals and all of us played in summer games and we just on and on and on it went. And, you know, don't get me wrong. I go now looking at it, I'm like, should you have played baseball? Yeah, probably. I don't know. Like there's not a real trajectory for fastball. There isn't, no. But in saying that, it was a fantastic sport. It's just 
there's nobody to play. So if there's nobody to play, how do you get better? How do you work on things? Heck, we were, we were talking about, we used to play in the men's league. So you'd be like, you know, think about that. You'd be like 13 years old playing grown men. Like that's a pretty wild, like that, that doesn't happen anymore. No, no. You can't even be on the same room as the men. <laughs> there's so many laws and ethics and, you know, you got to toe the line. Yeah, there's not a lot of intermingling of, <laughs> of of that age difference now, so which is probably a good thing. But well, I appreciate you coming in and doing. Oh, this. it's been great. Anytime, I'll chat up rugby. Thank you very well, much. Well, yeah. Well, and the, and the next time, I, who's the guy we're missing today? Chris. Chris. So if Chris yeah, is listening, you you you. Uh, they were supposed. To, well, not that that we tried lining it up for two, did, but that yeah. that's uh, it's a hard thing to get schedules to work. Oh well, next yes. time. Yes, he's a little closer, so he'll hopefully he can come in and add to the story. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming in and, and doing this, and best of luck with. Uh, I enjoyed it. It was fun. You know, when do you you will play uh, uh, Lashburn then? We will. Yeah, and beautiful thing is we'll play them. Our kids will get off the bus, and they'll run out, and there'll be a big round of hugs and maybe some crying, and then we'll go warm up, and then we'll play each other, and then there'll be hugs and crying, and <laughs> and they'll leave. Or we may play a game, depending on how many players there are, we'll play a game of seven on seven, and then maybe we'll combine teams and play 12 against 12. We'll play with each other, we'll play against each other, we'll bash each other up, we'll hug, we'll cry, we'll we'll text. and we'll go. You're making <laughs> rugby seem like this beautiful sport, I'll give you that. <laughs> it is. Hey? It's, it's, a, it's controlled aggression for 40 minutes and then nothing but love and camaraderie. Well, I appreciate you coming in and doing this. It's been great, thanks.